listening to the Middle Cut Podcast. Irish whiskey in conversation. Brought to you by Potstilled.com. Your one-stop shop for Irish whiskey news and interviews. Now, it's time for your hosts. Hello and welcome to the Middle Cup Podcast. This is Irish Whiskey in Conversation brought to you by Potstilled.com. And a very big thank you to our sponsors, irishmalts.com, who will ship you Irish whiskey, gin, and uh, punching all around the world where legal to do so. Check them out on irishmalts.com, a fantastic place to not only get brilliant Irish whiskeys, but they do a lot of first releases. They get a lot, a lot of brands work with Irish Malts to do exclusives as well, which is always fantastic. Um, my name is Matt Healy from potstill.com, also known as Potstill Matt, and I am joined by Matt Ella, Mr. Matt Jones himself from The Whiskey Nerd. Welcome back to the show. How are you doing? Very good. And yourself, Matt? You know what? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I think we enjoyed the last episode. Yes. Um, we, this is Irish Whiskey in Conversation, the middle cut from potstill.com, where we talk about all things Irish whiskey. It's the beginning of 2023. Yeah. We are seeing the developments of the Irish whiskey industry, I suppose, unfold as we go, and it is our podcast to talk about things that we like to see, like to think yeah. about in the world of Irish whiskey. So last week we talked a lot about um, the, I suppose, the, the new releases kind of that are coming yeah. up on the radar this year. Like it's, it's very interesting to see what's coming out in the market, different kind of trends we see, different kind of influences we see kind of where whiskey is being taken and where it's going. So it's, yeah. And the revolution. The revolution of Irish whiskey. We, I mean, we mentioned, we talked a bit about um, Powers Rye, the new Rye release from Powers, but I mean, Killowen also bringing out Rye whiskies with their collaboration with uh, Belgrove across or across the world. Like, <laughs> I think it's across the pond, yeah, across, across, across in Tasmania, world. Australia. Yeah. yeah. So it's interesting, like, we were kind of talking about how brands are collaborating within Ireland, but also yeah. kind of seeing brands collaborating internationally. Exactly. Really cool. If you do want to learn more about that Belgrove release, um, check out uh, the new release radar. Uh, on Potstilled Radio, also also on Potstilled YouTube. Pot YouTube. Exactly. And Your whole Potstilled Empire here. So it is a it is a multimedia a multimedia platform. We talk a little bit about me. What 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 is what is Potstilled for people who are are coming? So if you have arrived on to the middle cut and Potstilled Radio, uh, welcome. Um, as I said, my name is Potstilled Matt or Matt Healy, uh, as my government name, as people say. <laughs> um, yeah, so Podstilled, as 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 the as the line goes, it's a, it's a multimedia platform that talks about Irish whiskey. It's designed to, I suppose, uplift an Irish whiskey. Um, it is on Podstilled.com is the website, and then I'm on Facebook, uh, YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter. Um, I was on WeChat for a while. Oh. I wasn't very good at it. I oh. I did not understand how to use that app. Uh, that was that was short lived. Um, for a short while, I had uh, a Russian version of Potstilled. Um, that was uh, promptly, promptly shut down, shut down. Uh, with the beginning of the war in Ukraine. Um, Fingers crossed one day things settle down and things can go back. Yeah. But, but for now. Um, but yeah, so basically what Potstilled does is it talks about um, all Irish whiskies. Um, I'm an industry professional for the Irish whiskey industry, so I'm trying to, I, I kind of meld... Um, the world of kind of blogging with industry insight in a easy to understand way. It's kind of try to make it free of jargon. There's a little bit of buzzwords, but yeah. not so much jargon and try to give an insight that I suppose people don't always have not being in the industry. Um, but yeah, it's a little bit, a little bit of everything. Potstill radio is the kind of overarching name of the, um, 
the podcast audio format. Um, under that, it previously would have been interviews with, um, as I always said, flavor makers and creators. So there would have been distillers and brand owners, and there would have been kind of straight interview styles, um, a number of uh, exclusive product launches. So I help, I work with brands to do live streams to launch their um, brands and also on an audio format. Um, but now, uh, Pastel Radio is has the new release radar. Um, so I'm talking to brands about um, as it launches. It's a it's kind of a short, snippy, 25 minute format. Um, we we know who a lot of these brands are at this point. Um, and if you don't know, I have a most likely have an interview with them as they're as they're setting up. So it's talking about their new brands, the likes of the Cologne Rye. Um, and then now we have the middle cut, which is yourself and myself um, talking about the I suppose the um, the wider world, the the wider world, uh, Irish whiskey in conversation, exactly. So, um, yep, been doing about ten years. Um, when I started, I was one of like three or four people talking about Irish whiskey. Um, I remember once someone told me to set up a Irish whiskey blog, and I distinctly remember, like, I mean, like word for word, I looked at them, and went, "Who the fuck wants to read about Irish whiskey?" And it turns out a lot of people. It turns um, out a lot of people. But yeah, so that was um, kind of the genesis that it was uh, at the time there was um, David Havlin was the was kind of the lead Irish whiskey blogger in, in Ireland, in the world. Um, and his blog, even to this day, is still a, it's, a, it's, a, it's still up here. He doesn't write on it anymore, um, but it is it's still, a, still a great trove of information from from the kind of mid 2000s and the early 2010s. Yeah. Um, and then and that is something I, I've noticed about whiskey. I mean, obviously you've got like your, your, your whiskey Bibles written by, by some people, but you've also got like the community is very mm -hmm. active. Like it's, it's very different than wine. Like, so I'm, I'm, I'm in uh, the Irish whiskey society and we do events. I say you're in the Irish wine club. Oh no. Well, <laughs> interesting. We do do wine events. So this is kind of how I, I, I kind of know a, a sommelier. Oh, and we were doing a tasting where we were pairing whiskeys finished in types of sherry yep. with the sherries. Oh, that's cool. And whiskey finished in wine barrels with the wines mm -hmm. from the vineyard. And she was saying that the actual whiskey enthusiasts were much more knowledgeable, much more kind of forthcoming than the like the wine enthusiasts. And she goes to events because wine seems to have this idea where, oh, if you don't know about wine, you can't talk about it. Okay. Whereas any Tom, Dick and Harry or Matt and Matt can set up a podcast, can set up a no, it's almost as if, yeah. So it's interesting that the community in around whiskey is a lot more kind of about having fun and yep. enjoying it and sharing the insights. And you find someone whose palate is like yours, you can read their reviews, you can watch their reviews. If you find someone whose palate isn't like yours, you go, I won't like their reviews. Yeah. So it's kind of, it's more, a lot less, there is a rule. You can, it's not like you go, oh, this whiskey is 95 points, therefore it's good whiskey. It's this whiskey is 95 points for that person. Yes. And it's everyone's palate is different. And it's a lot more, I think, accepting. And that's why like people get to do things like this. And if you like what we're doing, you like what we're doing. Yeah, I think it's funny. Um, I talk about on on Three Drams, the Irish Malts has this platform called Three Drams. You get samples sent out to you every month. And then I will, will interview the, yeah. the flavor makers um, of those. Um, and it's funny for me, I talk about a lot that um, I'm very partial to tropical fruits in whiskeys. Yeah. And I'm really biased, like, yeah. I, and I'm very openly biased. Like, if you have a whiskey that's full of tropical fruits, I'm gonna fucking love it. Yeah. Um, and I tell them, and then I'm like, oh, geez, big bang, like papaya and mangoes here, and I'm a bit of a, like, oh, this is exactly a bit of you know fruit salad, vanilla, you know, your your yeah. whatever your bright strawberry something coming underneath it. I was like, yeah, this is great, you know, and and it's 
And it's just because I'm I, my my palate is um pro or, or is 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 it likes that flavor profile. Yeah. So if I was doing a you know a straight point review, I would likely review that quite highly. Yeah. But someone I meet loads of people who hate tropical fruits in and they want dark, or you know, they dark, want you know, leather, they yeah. want the smoke. Yeah. Exactly. And but that's one of the things like I when I review whiskeys, I never give it points. Precisely because what's a ninety whiskey, a ninety point whiskey for me isn't going to be a ninety whiskey for somebody else. Because mm -hmm. I just focus on what do I taste, what do I, you know, what what does it sound like to yeah. the person? If they like the sound of the whiskey, they'll get it. Because like I know definitely my my wife, she joins me on some of the reviews as the whiskey noob, and there's whiskeys there that she just doesn't like. Some of them, if it has peat in it, no, can do without. It. Yeah, and. I often do find, especially when you go into like certain sites and certain things, not all of them, obviously, but like the lower end of the scale never gets used. Yep. You never see a whiskey that's at 22 like, points. 22 points. Yeah. yeah. No, obviously that's because a brand isn't going to put out a whiskey that is a 22 point whiskey. They're yeah. at least going to get a passing grade before they put it out. But like, it's one of those things that, if you, oh, we have a hundred points on the scale. It's like, I actually more have just the top 50. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's funny as well, because the, one of the things the, now the largest, um, award show in the world is the world whiskey awards um run by paragraph publishing very you know buttoned up affair in terms of like it's very well run um they put the word world in front of their awards and they literally have they have everything from world whiskeys gin vodka shochu yeah. soju baiju you know grappa like they just made a world of everything and literally that word world has literally made them because it's yeah. for a general consumer we talked about this last time for a general consumer, you see the World Whiskey Awards. Yeah. Like not the fuck a San Francisco Whiskey Awards. I don't know the World Whiskey Awards. Um, but I have noticed over the years, um, and this is this is my opinion, this is not this is not gospel or fact, but um that the um there's a very large kind of community of judges that get pulled in, and usually a lot of people who su who supply spirits for the awards will be invited to come judge and it's blind. So you're, you're not supposed, and you usually won't get put into the category you're in and that kind of thing. Um, but it's very UK centric because the award judging yeah. is in the UK. So a lot of UK companies will attend. And I have noticed over the years, even in like, like Irish pot still categories, mm. like peated or like double distilled or more flavor profile akin to scotch yeah. will win like the biggest awards yeah. because the people judging them usually come from the English or the Scottish whiskey industries, yeah, which are where that palace exactly. Want. And that's what they want. And I think it's funny seeing that, that if you just kind of send your, your closest akin to like earthy or, you know, double distilled or peat, lighty yeah. peated or peated whiskeys, they tend to, they, they over index really highly. Um, and I think it's a, it doesn't always happen. And no. again, this is just a, an observation of my own uh but i think it's funny as you said it's all subjective at that it's, point it's so subjective it's it's and that's that's that can be one of the the, the good things about whiskey mm -hmm. is that it's subjective is that if as long as you're not like a total burke about it you're not like oh if you don't like this whiskey then i don't like you as Let's long as you're a total like, burke burke like a knock burke or <laughs> so if you're just if you're one of those people who says like who, who follows let's say that like the jim murray whiskey yeah, yeah. bible and just says this is what i this is what i believe you're not going to have a fun time. But if you're like, oh, you don't like this whiskey. Oh, but then maybe you'll like the other one I have on the shelf. Or maybe you'll like, and that's that's one of the joys. About it. Like um, a couple of weeks ago, um, my wife had, had a few friends over, um, specifically for a whiskey and cocktail evening. Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. and I brought out a couple of whiskeys. I, I made a couple of cocktails with the different whiskeys, kind of highlighting. And I just said, I want you all to like different whiskeys. Because they were like, oh, yeah, but I, I don't know. What, what's the one you like? I'm like, no, what do you like? Find the flavor that you like. Because if I sit down and tell you, oh, it's a great whiskey because it's coming in at 50% ABV, it's it's peated, it's heavily, and you don't like any of that thing, it's not going to be a good whiskey. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it's all about subjectivity and being willing to tell someone if you don't, if you don't like this whiskey, that's good. Yeah, it means you you're close. You're that one whiskey closer to find the whiskey you will like. To, to knowing what you do like exactly. Yeah. One of the things I do um, working in the whiskey industry abroad is um, I try to get tasting notes from people mm. locally because um, kind of famously um, we talk about in Ireland and cherried whiskeys. We talk about Christmas cake. Yeah. Um, one of the things I find hilarious is the, the Americans don't don't know what Christmas, don't, cake, don't is. Know Christmas cake is. And if you say fruit cake, there's like almost this like um, it's like an insult to bring cr fruit cake to Christmas dinner. Like yeah. it's this like thing that like no one eats and and no one knows about or no one knows real the flavor profile. So it's it's a funny profile to bring up because yeah. people don't. You go Christmas cake and they're like, I got nothing. Like I, yeah, what is that? Whereas we'd be like, um, oh, sherried fruits, bit of grains icing sugar Gold, golden know. raisins whatever yeah. Yeah. yeah but you can break that down compound flavors aren't like Absolutely. if you say if you i i when i talk about the um tropical fruits yeah. um i sometimes say uh chewed fruit salad yeah. and i googled what chewed fruit salad ingredients are and it's pineapple vanilla and strawberries yeah and you can break that down that's fine but when you go to places like the states or japan or you know kazakhstan or whatever you're there palate is subjective to their culture their demographic their upbringing their the things they have available mm -hmm. you know they might not have you know apple orchards in the middle of azerbaijan yeah. so they're not pulling out the flavors of apple but they might f pull out other flavors so i try to speak to people and see what flavors they pull out and they'll say things that i've never heard of you know yeah. um or you know in japan i you'd have something and it'd be kind of like zesty limey vanilla and they might say lychee yeah. And you're like, oh, cool. Yeah. Then I have to go and, and find out and, what a lychee is. Well, and then and what does it taste like? like? <laughs> or uh, Sichuan pepper. You know, some whiskeys will get to have that kind of like almost tingly kind of numbing texture to it. And once yeah. it's pointed out to you that that's what it is, like, oh, yeah, that's, that is the note. And it's a note you might not have gotten before, yep. but it is there. And again, you might not get that note because yeah. you weren't in the, your sphere of influence doesn't have yeah. lychee yeah. or it doesn't, you didn't grow up drinking uh, whatever green teas or, you know, it's so it's spiced fish or like was it, it taste and smell are so connected to your memory mm -hmm. so if you've had it growing up you're going to remember oh this is what it tastes like oh i remember maybe that one time i went to the beach and i had a lollipop ice cream but there was a bit of salt spray in the air and that's what i'm getting here i'm getting you know a, let's say a whiskey that was aged near the sea has some tropical fruits in it and there you go aged with an ice cream in it <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't legally be like all whiskey no no um and that is like one of the cool things, like it, obviously, like barrel clubs and, and whiskey clubs are a thing that are fun. Like mm -hmm. as I said, I'm, I'm in the Irish Whiskey Society, and it's one of those things where you have these members who some of them are, are old and a bit, a bit more, a bit more kind of stoic about it. And then you got newer people coming in who are like, "Oh, what is this whiskey? What's this like?" And they're really excited about it. And you get these like people, and you form these relationships with people. And you know, oh, you like this whiskey, or they say, "Oh, we had this tasting two years ago." If you're a new member, like, "Oh, I think you'd like that." share knowledge you can share it's 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 really good 
Um, how did the response to the sherry evening go? How was the, the wine side of that? Uh, very good. We actually had a few interesting wines. We had a Tokai wine, mm-hmm. which is... Hungry? Yes, from Hungary. And it's a very interesting wine. Like speaking about flavor palettes and, and historical, I had never tasted Tokai wine before. It's What they do is they let the kind of the fog in the valleys get onto the grapes and the grapes start to rot. They call it noble rot. And it's, I know, it, it, they call it noble rot to kind of add it. That's what you, you know, call marketing, my friend. A bit of marketing to it. And it's, it's really weird because it, the rot just, kind of... It's not just any rot. Yeah, it's a noble rot. It, it concentrates the sugar and it makes this really kind of dense, syrupy wine. It's actually, it actually is really tasty. But I, 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 had a, I actually had to try the whiskey that we were pairing with for, and I hated the whiskey. I didn't like it. It was one of, one of my least favorite whiskeys. Then it tasted the wine and it was as if it clicked in my head. The flavor. Oh, that kind of... Not moldy, but that kind of like musty, earth, musty yep. earthy sweetness. And as soon as I tasted it, I was like, oh, when back to the whiskey. Like, oh, that's what it is. Because it was like my brain was like, no, there's something wrong here. There's something kind of Off. rotten yeah, yeah. in this. And once I tasted it, I was like, oh, yeah, this is actually great. And it was actually uh, repeated across the board. We did a, a wine evening. We did a share evening. And we've got a, a fortified wine evening with like ports and things coming up in the next few months. Because a good reception to people learning more. Just wanted to learn more out of other categories. Out of other, exactly. Yeah. And it's the thing you would do producing whiskeys. You would you would work to um, learn about the fortified wines and whatnot, yeah. um, and spirits that would go into making the cast. So you try to learn a bit more about that, um, and particularly in in the world of sherry. I'm a, a very big sherry fan, and I, I took a I took a trip once um, to Jerez. Um, barrel barrel picking essentially trying to to work with producers um to source some some good quality sherry barrels the the sherry industry yeah. is quite small and the demand on the barrels is quite high so you have to do a lot of work to try to source good healthy barrels and and um what you can do and in 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 some ways actually it's funny the small producers in ireland have a better ability to use mm. fresher older casts in that yeah. sense because they're not ordering forty thousands at a time exactly. they're ordering 200 at a time and you know you can work with smaller producers for things like that um yeah and but then leads into like ideas like single casks which is very interesting like, as you said smaller producers like a jameson at paris they're it, very hard for them to do single cask releases I mean, they can of course they really, so you'll see some some um will release single casks but then you have the smaller brands can differentiate themselves a bit and say this is single cask this is something we found really nice really interesting really different you yeah get into it. And also just in terms of business for, you know, your, your value for money, like the, a person who's making a single cask in powers could probably the same amount of time sell 900 casks, yeah, right. the same with yeah. the same amount of time and, uh, and their effort and their skills. So, you know, there's, there's a lot to go through there. Um, but it was funny for me in Hareth, um, the, we went to the hotel, went to the, the hotel um, manager or, you know, the porter. And uh, we said, "Where, where can we, uh, where can we drink some uh, sherry?" And the guy was like, "Why?" <laughs> and he was like, "Okay." And he like came out of the back, pulled out this like flyer, and it was a, a tobacco crawl. There was like fourteen bars in the town that serve sherry, and you can go to each of them. Um, and at the time, we we had a great time. We visited all of them. Um, I learned the, there's very important, I don't speak, I, I speak little bits of yeah. like a few languages. Spanish is not one of them. Um, I no, no hablo español. Um, <laughs> but we, I learned, can I have one and two? Cause it was yeah. two of us. And then I was like glass, I was like sherry. Yeah. Right. 
So um, every bar I go in, and we're like 11 bars having little glass, cherry little tapas. Uh, the person I went with told me they spoke Spanish. They did not speak Spanish, just on a side note. Um, so we went in and we're in this probably like the 11th bar. Again, we're having small glasses of sherry, small tapas. It does add up though. It does add up, yeah, but it was, yeah, don't worry about it. Um, it was over two nights. Uh, that's how I'm going to say it. Um, no, but anyway, we're, we're at the tail end of this crawl and uh, I've been asking for a, uh, those fasos, the, yeah. the Oloroso, the whatever, because I have Googled what glasses in Spanish and it said vaso. And I went, no problem, cool. Again, I don't speak Spanish. So we're there and I'm in this bar. Now I've done it 10 times yeah. and all 10 times I've received two small glasses of sherry of the sherry I wanted. Great. And we did basically a different sherry every bar or whatever it might be. And uh, this guy goes, I said, those vasos uh, oloroso, por favor. And he goes, vaso? Uh, he goes, vaso, vaso de sherry. And I'm like, tea. And I'm like, at this point I'm like, yeah, I could, yeah, fuck, dude, you're on the tobacco crawl. Of course, I want to drink sherry. What are you? And I'm thinking, like, he was like, you want to drink? Yeah. No, I think he thinks he, I want to. He's like, why are you drinking sherry for? You know? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. certo, yeah. Um, every every Spanish word I, I never know, once so, has it crossed yeah. your mind that no. So he, he no, <laughs> I just think he's being snobby about sherry, right? And he comes down with two fucking pints <laughs> of Oloroso sherry, <laughs> and he puts them down in front of me, and he sees my face, and he goes, "Señor." Vaso, and he takes out a copita and he goes, Copa, uh, Copa, Vaso, and then he just walked away. <laughs> and I was like, You've ordered this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, oh, he wasn't taking it back. <laughs> he was just, he knew this was not what I wanted. I have since learned uh, that uh, the word Vaso means vase also. Oh. It's like, I just asked for two vases so of sherry. And uh, everyone else has been really nice to you. Yeah, they were like, Yeah, fucking gringos. Yeah, don't worry about him. Just, just give him his glass and beyond the way um but yeah so um i learned i learned uh yeah i've, yeah. I've had a few mistranslations over the years but that was definitely uh was one definitely biggest, one, yeah. well i don't know if it was one of the biggest but it was definitely one of the funniest yeah. oh well, it, it does it does strike you as interesting like when you're, you're talking about in Hereth, like people don't really drink sherry and like it's interesting like when you get to an area where like oh sherry is dying out despite it being such a key part of irish whiskey like I was talking, like I was, as I was saying to the, the sommelier at the whiskey side, and he's like, oh, there's whiskeys, there's, there's, there's wines that aren't being made anymore. And there's interesting, like a loss of history there. She was talking about some, there's a, um, I can't remember the name of the company, but there's a company that specializes in buying old bottles of, old barrels of sherry. Like, this is what we're going to do. We're going to try and recreate the sherry from back in the day. And it's, it's some guy, he found out his grandfather he used to make sherry. And he said, oh what are we going to do about this? Our granddad's shed has like four barrels of sherries. They said, oh, well, do you want to sell it? He's like, I don't even want to sell it. I don't want to get rid of it. I want to kind of keep it on. So he is going around to various sherry producers that are at the end of their life. Maybe it's the, the family just want to keep it up or it's just they can't with production costs. And he's trying to like recreate and make a sherry company out of all these tiny little vineyards from around the area to try and recreate the history because we also will need that in Irish whiskey production yeah. because sherry is, is a key component. Bourbon and sherry is like the classic formula. Mm -hmm. And it's funny you say that, you know, it's dying out in Jerez. You know, in 2015, um, I used to talk to, you know, Americans online or Italians or Germans who are really enthused about Irish whiskey. And they'd come to Ireland and they'd have three bottles of whiskey on the bar. Yeah. You'd have Jemison, Powers and Paddy. And that was it. That was it. And, and, and in some cases they'd have none. You know, and people would would tell me all the time that they were 
they were disappointed coming that no, you know, you go to a bar and be like, oh, what, what Irish whiskeys you have? And they're like, I don't, the fuck? I don't know, these three. And they're saying like, no one drinks it here. They're very, they were, very, and, they, and, and and like, again, we talked about last time, um, we're very excited about Irish whiskey in Ireland, yeah. but we've, you know, even that's, that's a recent thing, you know, um, that people have been drinking whiskey in Ireland in, in the popularity that it is now, you know, people drinking whiskey, ginger, lime or, or whatever yeah. it might be. Um, as I said, like 2015, 2016, people, people, people weren't doing it. We had the, the whiskey boom that almost got, almost got eclipsed by the gin boom because people start, suddenly started getting 30, 40, 50 whiskeys on their back bar. Then suddenly it started going 50, 40, 30 whiskeys because there's now 20, 30, 40 gins. Yeah. And that was, and, and like whiskey came and, and gin came really fast on its heels. And that was kind of the precipice of like 50 euro gin bottles. Um, yeah, they're still out there. No, they're still out there. They just don't sell that much. No, uh, I don't think I don't think Celtic will, will um, stock anything over like forty five quid or something these no. days. And I think that's probably a very fair assessment. It's, it's, it's a, no, that's not going to sell. So yeah. it's almost kind of a weird. Uh, you mentioned Japan, or I used to live in Japan. It's almost a weird kind of reverse of Japan where no one was looking at their whiskey. No, and they were making good whiskey, but it was pretty much all domestic. And it was I, I was just there having whiskey easy as you go you have this the i could have i remember i remember a visitor friend's house he brings out like a hibiki 21 year old oh yeah and we're just just pouring away he's, he's like it's just cheap it's fine and no one drank it yeah. and it just gets popular abroad and then suddenly they're like oh we have to shut down production mm -hmm. so they were like oh because they have to have the consistency of the product that they were putting out they decided and we're gonna we're gonna stop selling the amazaki 12 we're gonna stop selling the hakshu 12 because we gotta we gotta make sure we're, we're putting out make sure stuff. we have the stocks yeah but they didn't have a whiskey boom there weren't really more there are a couple of extra distilleries, but yeah. they just said it was just the same producers said, okay, we're going to ramp up our supply. We didn't, you didn't see a huge amount of new Japanese producers. There are a few, but there's not, not the boom. Yeah. Um, uh, one of the funny things in Japan, I mean, the, the, cause there was a, there was a demand boom. Yeah. Once we told, once Japan told the rest of the world, they couldn't have it. People went nuts for it. Mm -hmm. It went, it went from in like obscure and innocuous and non-popular yeah. and literally they just basically just told the Americans, you can't have this anymore. And they were like, the fuck we can. Yeah. <laughs> and then we just, there is a boom of producers of brands, but not distilleries. One of the things I find funny about Japan is they're very weird, antiquated um, production laws. Um, and one of the things is if you, so you, I find this hilarious. Yeah. You have to, you don't buy a spirits producer's license. You buy a whiskey producer's license or a shochu producer's license or, um, uh, Awamori uh, producers license, yeah. but they're all like completely separate licenses, which is is bizarre. So if you make shochu in a pot still with 100% barley, aged in wood, yeah. it can't it it can't internationally. But you haven't made whiskey, even though if all the prep because you didn't make a whiskey, you didn't have a whiskey yeah, producer's license. license. It's um, very British. Oh, you got a license for that? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but funny enough, they have to pay the duty up front when they produce the spirit. And if okay. they export it, they get it back as like a tax credit. Um, mm. But like, so it was one of the things that constrained uh, both the shochu industry and the whiskey industry in Japan was they were like, okay, well, we want to make a million extra LPA this year, but we have to pay $20 per or 20, you know, whatever, 500 yen per L LPA. That means we're now going to have to pay an extra whatever, 5 million yeah. yen uh, because they have to pay it up front. 
um, which which constrains those kind of taxation systems constrain the the expansion and the development of a distillery because in Ireland you lay it down in a bonded warehouse you're not paying tax unless you clear it in Ireland yeah. whereas they do it the opposite way around. And I think there's actually a lot of like even from the, from the government there was a lot. I think it's called the, the Sovereign Wealth Fund has a, a whiskey investment fund where they're supporting a bunch of distilleries and setting up like it's it is interesting I think to see the support out there for distilleries and the pride that some people are taking nowadays in the fact that we've got in what, in what country are you talking Ireland. about oh sorry yeah we've got, we've got, a sovereign wealth fund sounded very japanese i think so. i can't remember the name of it but i remember reading about there's this fund that will loan money to yeah. distilleries saying you've got no interest on this for next three years because you can't sell it for three years hey, interest free money yeah and so you can set up a distillery and it's of course to be secured against the actual stock that yeah exactly so it's fine. You can't pay it back. It's it's an yeah. asset-backed loan, yeah. essentially. Yeah. But it's, it's just like to let them kind of get on their get off their knees and get onto their yeah, feet. Yeah. Whereas as you were saying in Japan, they were like, "Oh no, tax upfront, please," <laughs> and so the producers couldn't produce. And yeah. So it's 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 kind of a, a weirdly reversed here, and that's where we're seeing, I think, the boom here, and we're we're hopefully gonna gonna take a good place back in Irish whiskey around the world. Yeah, and I think it's also, we talked last time about self-fulfilling prophecies, the more people talk about the boom of Irish whiskey, the more Irish whiskey booms, if that makes yes. sense. Um, very interesting. In Japan, um, I also made a translation mistake. Oh. I left I left out a word in a, um, I had, in transition year, I took Japanese for a year. Okay. It, was, it never, I only went to Japan once. It was not <laughs> useful. It was a, a year ill spent. Um, and I remembered very little of it, but in um the irish embassy in tokyo there was like a hundred journalists and importers and stuff and uh i i've talked about this on my tiktok before but i um wanted to introduce myself i just want yeah. to say my name is i am from this company i make this whiskey and i am from ireland and uh i stood up um and i was oh, i was brilliant oh, uh, the confidence, was, the confidence it was spectacular um and the um the fr the sentence i screwed up on was I was trying to say Watashi wa Irlando Jindes. I am from Ireland. Yeah. And I stood up and went, Watashi wa Irlando Des, where I stood up and <laughs> I just said, Ireland. I am Ireland, which um prompted a raucous laughter from the very polite Japanese people. But of course I had no understanding of, of what, what had just and I was like, but I am Ireland. <laughs> um so yeah, I've had I've had a had a few run-ins. Um, I've done an I've mistranslated something in Italy, yeah. um, in Spain. I, I, well, in Spain also. Well. Um, I had my Japanese business cards professionally translated, and then I uh, Google translated my Korean business cards. That was not a good idea no. uh, because I then printed business cards that said I was the uh, instead of an export sales manager, I was the uh, manager of a I was the sales manager of a takeaway restaurant. <laughs> um oh, export to take to, the, to, yeah, take, to take away, away yeah. yeah um so uh, in uh, in italy um i did two weeks of of uh nightly whiskey tastings all around the north of italy um and i learned the phrases again same yeah. thing hello my name is i am from and then to top it off i would say i don't speak italian because again i don't speak yeah. italian and i'd say this is dario he dario does. is my translator and I didn't actually know I was messing up because then Dario would go into this little rattle off. He would say something and every night he would get laughter within 20, 30 seconds. Yeah. Oh, I was like, this guy, this guy, Dario is a funny guy. Like he's always getting laughter. And two years later, 
<laughs> I was talking to an Italian guy working in, in, in one of the distilleries, one of the distillers, and I said, oh, this is the thing I said. And I said, Dario, i trattatori. <laughs> and he went, oh, Matt, no. And I went, yeah. what? And he goes, you just say trattatori? And I was like, yeah. And he was like, no, 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 trattatori. Trattatori is translated. Trattatori is a traitor. <laughs> so I was like, so anyway, I'm Matt. I'm from Ireland. Make some whiskey. Um, I don't speak any more Italian. Uh, this is Dario. He's a fucking traitor. And uh, yeah, enjoy, talk, your enjoy your night. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he would always stand. And I said it to, I only met Dario recently at the Boan thing. Um, and uh, he was there. And I said, I said, dude, was I going around Italy calling you a traitor? And he was like, oh, dude, it was so funny. He was yeah. like, that's every night I'd have to explain that you meant translator, yeah. not traitor. But it's literally. It was a T, it was and like a, a T, then a D that I'd swapped. Yeah. And I, yeah, a two. He's probably like loving it. He's like, oh, here's my icebreaker. Here's, here's he the way. to in. come up to yeah. break into the crowd. It's like this idiot here, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> <laughs> and you get everyone gets to make funny. Yeah. Yep. But then drink a bunch of whiskey. Exactly. Sure. Why not? Um, but yeah, so that was, yeah, interesting. Um, but yeah, trying to, trying to spread the good word of Irish whiskey around the world. Yeah. <laughs> it is, it is interesting to see like the way brands are approaching the parts of the world. Mm -hmm. I think, uh, Tullamore do are releasing, products specifically for Eastern Europe. They have a yep. honey whiskey kind of liqueur that they're producing in Eastern Europe. Yeah. It's, honey it's, from Bohemia. It's not even just for the area. It's the honey them. that they use in it is literally from the Czech mountains. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's interesting to see like uh, Irish whiskey, it's spreading around the world and it's doing different things. Mm -hmm. There's loads that like was a teeling are doing special releases just for certain countries. You get yep. different brands like, um, actually in, in society we have a whole the Irish abroad tasting where people have gone on holidays and they're bringing back bottles that you can't get in Ireland. Irish whiskey that's sold elsewhere, just yeah. not at home. Yeah. Yeah. It is good. Like, I think the boom is, is booming. As mm -hmm. long as there's more people booming about the boom, then it'll keep booming. Yeah. And single casks are yeah. enormous. Like from a, from an export yeah. point of view, especially with Irish whiskey, yeah. when you're trying to bring into new markets, the, the, the idea of special. Yeah. That's just for here really really works opens a lot of doors but i did i was in munich with um dahi o'connell of wb o'connell whiskey merchants um, i'll show you a little little bottle there of, of the bill phil um uh, one of my favorite whiskeys at the moment so i'm in i'm in the show still beside dahi yeah. we're repping different brands obviously he's repping his own brand um and i was asked there was this group of Germans and they said, um, tell us, tell them all about your whiskeys. And I said, this whiskey is, is you know, just for Germany. It's yeah. exclusive, two barrels, you know, it can't get anywhere else. And I've only had this like twice in my career that this happened. And there was this like um couple and they were like, This is only for Germany? And I was like, uh, yeah. Yeah, no, it's only it's only it's exclusive just for Germany. So it's not very good. And I oh, went, no. I went, uh, no, no, it's uh, fantastic, you know, and they went. But if it was good, you would sell it everywhere. No, why would you only sell it in Germany? If it would it, only only for Germany means it's not very good whiskey. You don't sell it everywhere. And I was like, no, it's exclusive. It's, yeah, it's, it's like, small. I get, what, I get where you're coming I from. I see what you're. I see yeah. what you're doing. But no. no. Yeah. <laughs> and then yeah, so that just like took some like backpedaling. I was like, no, 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 no. it's exclusive. It's for you guys. It's yeah. it's meant to be like distinct. And they were like, okay, this one's for the German palate. And I was like. Yeah, yes. yeah, let's we'll go with that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The, the, the idea of single casks and, like, and barrel picks and store picks, that's a huge thing like in American bourbon. You'll see like, let's say a bottle of Buffalo Trace and a, a store pick, single barrel of Buffalo Trace beside it, twice the price. Well, it's because, Absolutely. Yeah, and it's like, oh, but it's the exclusivity of you can only get this one here. And what if it's great? 
It might just be the exact same. It might take. <laughs> well, what if it's great? What if it's terrible? Who knows? The FOMO. Sixty dollars. The FOMO is is massive. Yep. Yeah, and so it is kind of that idea of exclusivity, and that is still something we're seeing. I think around with uh, Irish whiskies because as as we're growing, I mean, was it um, Gold Spot and Blue Spot? Yeah. I remember Goldspot launched in Ireland and then they were saying like, oh, in about three or four months, there'll be a, a distribution in America. And the auction sites went wild. They were like, oh, I can't wait three months. I need it now. It's been, it's exclusive. <laughs> I need it this moment. I need it now. Yeah. Exactly. And then Blue Spot as well. You still see it like auctioning. You can walk into most stores and get it like for what? 80 euro is a retail price here in Ireland. Whereas it'll be $200 in America if, mm-hmm. if you see it on a store shelf. It's like, oh, because I, I bought three of these bottles and they're on my shelf. And if you want it, you have to pay this price. Yeah. yeah, I mean, uh, as a as a person that holds an economics degree, I can assure you that's called supply and demand. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, absolutely, it's it's that it's there's especially that that demand and and, and collectability of bottles. People ask me all the time, oh, is, is this bottle going to appreciate? Should I put away six yeah. of these bottles? And I always try to talk to people, particularly those who are coming into the market fresh as a investment point of view which is kind of a it, you know it can be a difficult or a dangerous way to come into a market uh take it burned on bitcoin and things like that you know um and i try to explain one thing if you invest in whiskey is great because if it, if it fuck if a market bottoms out you can Still drink you, yeah you drink you can, can drown your you sorrows can't, you can't you can't drink bitcoin yeah. um but uh the i try to tell people that you know collectible whiskies need to have this like magic venn diagram of supply that is outstripped by demand, but limited enough to increase in value, but not so limited that yeah. no one knows about it. Yeah. So it's like some small producers are like, "Here's 150 bottles. Is this, is this going to be the next? Is this going to be the next gold spot?" And I'm like, "I actually don't know if it's. Go- I don't yeah. think this one will be because literally, like nobody knows. Like I know someone who's buying the first bottle released from every distillery in the country or whatever." Yeah. Um, and I'm like, yes, but what's the average cost of those bottles? And they're like, well, it's, it's cask one or it's cask two, you know, uh, average bottle price, 450 quid. I'm like, it's probably not going to appreciate that. That's, that's, that's appreciation. That's, that's, the, already that's yeah, that's, yeah. that's top. Unless you are willing to wait, let's say 20, 30 years. Yeah. And then that distillery itself becomes massive. It becomes yeah. something huge. It becomes and the next Jemison. And then someone isn't buying the whiskey, they're buying the history. Yeah. Um, another way you could, yeah, I've, I've seen people kind of look at that is like collections, mm-hmm. like the Teeling Revival, the Renaissance, the collections. If you can buy the entire collection, yeah. it suddenly spikes in value because if someone came to it later, if they could only get bottles, let's say three, four or five, yeah. bottles one and two is then much more valuable. Yeah. It is, depending on the... Depending, if it, yeah, yeah. yeah. Because sometimes the chase, you know, like people people don't want to buy, all right, what am I really into? I mean, the Dark Alox. Right, there's eight trees in this series. Do I want to buy the whole series at once? No, I'm yeah. going to try to pick up. I'm, I'm missing tree seven, and I re- and it was only released in South Africa, and I really need that bottle or whatever. And those those things can cost the 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 whole collection can be less than some of the parts, if yeah. that makes sense. Um, but I think yeah, it's a, it's a busy time, busy time for Irish whiskey in, in both bottles and casks and investment sites and and everything in between. Yeah, I just my whole thing is always just open the bottle enjoy it it's 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 some, some things obviously you might hold on to yeah. you might um <laughs> see what no keep talking oh, yeah, we're just gonna yeah. see if we're gonna have the nice pop in this episode because yeah, some bottles it's, it's good isn't it? Sound. isn't it isn't it just yeah. and then the glug 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 is it 
She's talking about single cast. This is a single cask sauterne. I fucking love sauterne casks. From Clonacilty. From Clonacilty, yes. yeah. So. yeah. It, it, it's just like whiskey's for enjoying. Whiskey is for sharing. Obviously, you might have some that are great, some that you want to hold on to. Some that... I don't know. We're filming too early to be imbibing upon uh, I'm gonna be tempted yeah. at that point. But like the whiskey as well that you that might go out of, out of, that might be out of production, like yep. silent distilleries or distillery brands that go away. I remember I remember I lived in Japan and I could get the Jameson twelve year olds, the was it the the special releases, special twelve year old in in like the kind of the ruby red ruby flavor. Red. Yeah. It was just, I was just, I was my daily whiskey. I was like, oh, yeah, this is great. Yeah, just pour it away. Don't worry about it. And now, because it was everywhere, I was like, if I can get this in Japan at, I was at a, a shop called Don Quixote's. Yeah. But the, mo- <laughs> mo- the, the, the logo was a donkey. Okay. <laughs> so Don Quixote's, yeah. And I was like, if I can get this here, surely it'll be available forever. Can't get it anymore. No. And it's one of those whiskeys that was. Incredibly valuable whiskey. Yeah, yeah. And I was just pouring away. Yeah. <laughs> but I'd rather be the kind of person who enjoys the whiskey, drinks it, rather than like, Hold on to it, as you said, one day, hoping that maybe one day this doubles in value and then I sell it and I never get to taste it. Yep. Yeah. I think one one distillery, not an Irish distillery, I'm going to reach behind myself very inelegantly here. Um, This is a bottle of Talnua single pot yes. still distiller, single pot still whiskey from the States, American pot yeah. still whiskey. And I'm going to put this here in front of us for a moment. Um, This is somewhere I think. Now, not Irish whiskey, yeah. but they are championing single pot still, which of course can be made anywhere. Just can't call it Irish. Yeah. They are using mixed mash bills. Um, they're doing it in Colorado, um, in Arvada, Colorado. Um, which, um, upon visiting them, I learned that Colorado is a high altitude desert, which I never yeah. think of. Colorado, um, I think of the Rockies and and snow. snow and, yeah. Exactly. Um, they're a really interesting setup. A very interesting team. They came uh, to Ireland. Um, Patrick Miller and his wife Megan uh, came to Ireland and loved Green Spot and Red Breast and everything. Yeah. Went back to the States. Um, and they're small. Um, they're, the thing is, I think of Talnua because we talk like yeah. Irish whiskey has has caught wind of Talnua mm-hmm. and people talk about it a lot. Um, but it is still a small distillery. They only sell within Colorado. That's, yeah. And they don't ship abroad. They don't ship to other states. Oh, I've, I've tried to find <laughs> their bottles. And I'm like, oh, because my wife's American. So I'm like, oh, next time I'm abroad, I'll go look. And we went to Chicago. I was like, can't find any town new anywhere. I'm like trying to convince her that, you know, what's great of us this time of year? Denver. Colorado would be great. Wouldn't it be great? Maybe we could swing by this this great town called Arvada. Like I hear there's some great like uh, things to do there. Yeah. Um, no, I think, I think this is one that's going to have a lot of, future fans yeah if that makes sense as they expand outside colorado and champion yeah. pot still i think these are guys are going to do it um funnily enough um i organized a collaboration between them and, and uh boan distillery oh, yeah. um and that was a really cool project because they're making triple distill pot still boan's making triple distill pot still and um the what we did is we create we gave Talnua the boan uh, mix mash bill recipe mm-hmm. um that included uh malted barley unmalted oats and and rye uh Talnua, we made it with all irish grains Talnua made it all with colorado grains um and then what we did is we had it distilled and we held both of the spirits mm-hmm. um we worked out over like a five-year period if we fill six casks with their evaporative losses they needed eight casks 
Boan essentially owns three of the Talnua casks. Talnua owns three of the Boan casks, and um, they're maturing these, this same recipe in the same type of casks. And funnily enough, um, they while they make pot still, they make it very much in like virgin oak, like mm -hmm. most most of the American yeah. distillers. Because um, the American distillers don't use ex-bourbon barrels. Yeah. So we were like, oh, we're maturing these in ex-bourbon barrels. And they were like, well, hang on a sec. And we actually delayed the project because they they just yeah. bought virgin oak like yeah. they normally do. And I was like, I don't have a supply of virgin, virgin oak. oak. And they were like, well, we don't have a supply of bourbon barrels. But you're in the place where? <laughs> yeah. So we, we, we collaborated. It was fine. We got these bourbon barrels. Um, and literally to the second, I um, stood outside the, the uh, pump room for the cast filling room. I stood there with my father this way. I stood there with Patrick Miller of Talnua on FaceTime yeah. and I was like staring. I had a peeked at the 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 cast. You can't have phones by the cast when you're filming them, but I was like screaming at the distillery team. I'm like, three, two, one. and literally to the second, um, Talnua started filling their barrels and Boan started filling the barrels at the exact same second. We did this cool collaboration. We made a barrel head we put the Boan logo the Talnua logo the Colorado flag on it um Michael Walsh apparently a, an artist both in terms yeah. of distilling and painting um and then we've we kind of like because it's laid down for a number of years yeah. you kind of forget about it and um over Christmas uh, and this is probably two years later now um over Christmas Michael Walsh who's in the head distiller of Boan um his dad was in the states he was in like Chicago right yeah. And then apparently just like went on this trip um, without, I don't know, telling him, I guess. And uh, he calls up Michael. <laughs> so this is a great story. He calls up Michael and he goes, Michael, I'm at, I'm at this distillery and and there, there's no one here and they're not letting me in and I, I want to do a tour. And he was like, okay. Like, what, what do you want me to do? Yeah, what do you want me to do about it? And Michael, Michael's at home in Dingle at this point. Like he's not with him. And he was like, where are you? And he's like, I'm in this place called Colorado, right? And he was like, okay, well, you, weren't you in Chicago? He's like, yeah, but I'm in Colorado now. And he was like, okay. He was, and uh, I'm at this Tal, Tal, Tal Nua distillery. And Michael was like, are you, he was like, okay. He was like, happen? he was like, but it's not even that. He was like, I don't, because he was like, I don't know every distiller in the world. Like, I can't just like ring up, yeah. you know, whatever distillery you're at and make them let you in. And he oh, goes, Tal Nua. And he goes, actually, I do, I do know those guys. And he, he, Anyway, the dad got into the bar and um, Michael was like, tell them you're my dad. And and funnily enough, the I think whoever was there, it, like it, it were, they weren't open. I'm not, yeah. I'm not really sure there's meant to be anyone there. But there was like someone like coming in to like have a drink or something. It's like the bar just opened. And it was like, open up like, mate, I, I have no idea who fucking Michael Walsh is. Yeah, never yeah. Who Michael Walsh is, don't yeah. know who you are. Yeah, and but the, the patron that came in was like, Oh, the distiller from Ireland that did the thing, and the dad was like, "Yeah," and he was like, "Oh, cool, that was a really cool project." And like the, the guy at the not the bartender, yeah, the, the guy, guy at the bar. bar was like, "Dude, that was a really cool project." Yeah, yeah. and he told the dad all about it, and the dad was like, "They all knew you in there. It was great." It's like that must have been a great moment for Michael, and um, but around the world, but it's a, it's a cool collaboration. I think it's a distillery that's going to do cool things. You have yeah. to get to Colorado now. I do. I just have to get to Colorado. Yeah, just convince Rose. I mean, if she's watching this, uh, she might know the ulterior motive <laughs> behind. Oh, let's go plan a trip to Colorado. But yeah, it, it, I really want to get out there and just see what they're doing, and see, because it's it would be different. Because like with the never mind the gear, never mind the, like using virgin oak in it, never mind the difference in like the grains, like where it's grown, but also the climate, the influence that has on a whiskey is interesting. It's hot. It's hot. Yeah. 
and winter cold. <laughs> but I mean, uh, there are no, extremes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you laugh, but like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> isn't we it? don't have either of those extremes. We don't get hot. And we don't get cold. So isn't the thing like some of the Scottish whiskeys out on the Hebrides, the Islands? You know, it's like, oh, this whiskey can be aged for you know thirty years, and it just barely gets a bit of oak influence because it's so yeah. cold. It's just so consistently cold. Whereas <laughs> exactly, um, yeah, no, it's it's a um, it's an interesting one. It's yeah. they that that uh, warehouse they they before they've had a few uh, upgrades in Telnuo with their stills and their processes and all this kind of stuff as they've got more popular. And it's funny, they just put in three new stills um, and I, they have the, usually the barrels maturing yeah. by the stills. And I think they've now had to invest in like external warehousing and, and whatnot, but the room is like fragrant with alcohol because it's, it's just making me jealous right now. Oh, it's good. Yeah. But it's funny to talk about that because they found this, cross circle of american whiskey enthusiasts and irish whiskey enthusiasts mm. in america who are all fans and they have this um um i think it's called old saints release and it's a release every saint patrick's day and you have to be at the distillery to get it and it sells out like every year um but what's funny is i was talking to patrick uh he's distiller miller online if you want to look him up um he was saying that they're um they just put in three new stills and i was like how is it and he was like we're at max capacity he's like we we need more stills or bigger stills this was too small of an expansion and very much they're championing this irish style in the states and and fans of irish whiskey are flocking to because they want to yeah. see what, what hot what american exactly. whis single pasta whiskey does and what it what it what it's like yeah. it's interesting to see, like the bourbon and, and rye obviously is dominant there but then you've got like american single malts are coming out like, jack daniels had a single malt it's like that yeah yeah, that's yeah. that's how you know things are getting popular when I mean, the big guys when the big guys are like, okay, we have to we have to we have to follow suit or get left behind. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it is. It, I think it'll be good to see what Tom will do, and then of course to taste it. Exactly, um, and of course with the inclusion and the growing interest in rye in Ireland, we'll see some of that flip side. There's a here, American, yeah. exp, you know, expressions of grain and whiskey coming into seeping into the Irish uh, psyche, and I think we'll see a lot more own our brands release their own spirit or in, at least inclusions in blends yeah. and whatnot this and year like an irish bourbon that isn't a bourbon but an irish maize whiskey, maize whiskey <laughs> as, as that is a protected like, term yeah, bourbon or something yeah. where they just change the name slightly <laughs> with it put a fada on yeah it's make it an a father yeah. uh, no but i think it'll be very interesting but of course guys i want to say a very big thank you to you guys for listening in this has been the middle cut with potstill.com irish whiskey in conversation a very big thank you to our sponsors irishmalts.com we'll get you the finest irish whiskies gins punchings delivered straight to your door check them out on irishmalt.com matt, matt from the whiskey nerd and Matt from Postilled. Exactly. Give a good plug for your uh, YouTube before we go. Oh, yes. If you haven't seen it, uh, I have a little YouTube channel where I review little, two, a 2,000 people following. It's yeah. no big deal. Yeah, I, I review Irish whiskey, review whiskeys, focusing on Irish whiskeys, and I make cocktails kind of highlighting the various ways you can use whiskey, the versatile way you can use it to just kind of enjoy what is possibly, probably the world's best spirit. There you go. You heard it here first. Very big thank you to you all, and we'll see you in the next episode. Thanks for tuning in to The Middle Cut. Sláinte.